This episode is presented by Comics and Gaming Magazine, found at cgmagazine.ca, and brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com/terriblewarriors. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Throughout the ages, there have been heroes and warriors who have embarked on quests to save faraway lands and free the people from would-be conquerors with dice and not a lot of common sense in various role-playing games. Today, legends are told from the tales of our terrible warriors, an unlikely group of nerdy adventurers armed with some pretty stupid ideas and a horseshoe up their butts as they come together to save the day in These Warriors Are Terrible. Seriously, these are the guys we're going to go with? And welcome to These Warriors Are Terrible. I'm here in a kitchen with the blast processors. Uh, what we didn't name the kitchen. We got emeralds. This isn't a kitchen. It's a base. It's a base. It's a base kitchen. Definitely a mess hall. That what you rang. I am your game master for today, Justin Ecock, and we are doing something really cool this month on Terrible Warriors. We have brought together the Blast Processors Band. We, we mentioned it a few times on our Facebook page. Uh, Julian and Ori, who play a lot of our games, uh, talk about this band, too, when they come on. And uh, I've wanted to bring them all together to play a space opera unofficial origin story for these Jokers uh, for a while. So this is, this is going to be fun. That's, the game we're going to be playing is a space opera role-playing game, something that's a little new in scale to this show. And it's a game called Mind Jammer, uh, fate-based. Uh, Spirit of the Century that we did a few months ago it runs on the same system. And so this is a big, epic, fate-based space opera. But first, let's introduce our gamers playing around the table this month. We have at mic number one with the, uh, the, the Avatar Aviators ready to go. He is no longer his alter ego of Julian Spillane today. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. We are, well, you guys all have your alter egos where you go about your daily lives. But, uh, <laughs> our true identity. Your, your, yes. your, your alter identity is all to be mentioned in your Twitter accounts on the note. So, <laughs> you know, just yeah. get used to it. <laughs> uh, first up we have. Master System of the Glass Processors. And you're, you're, you're the guy who wears the light bright suit, right? The light bright suit? Yeah, you're that's, that's Mark 1. Yeah, the Mark There's 1 Mark light bright suit. Now. Yes, it was good. It was good. <laughs> and, uh, Talking on behalf of uh, the basis for the blast processors because he doesn't talk at all and may not even have a mouth. We have representing. This is Nick. I'm speaking on behalf of Game Gear. And uh, it's a shame. I mean, we love we Game Gear's here, but uh, not talking is uh, kind of a defeating the purpose of an audio podcast. Yeah, I mean, his lights are kind of going off in uh, weird patterns. I think he's speaking in Morse code right now. Yeah, oh, oh and, and, and he's fainted. Oh, dear God. S-O. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want some oh, sauce. That's that's nice. <laughs> this linking was definitely uh, a distress that was, call. That was, yeah, that's yeah. low battery. And All right, which one of you jokers left him unplugged? <laughs> Uh, well, that would have been you. Seconds. Those batteries. I think, are I, think, I think your foot kicked it again. Ah, damn it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so, returning to the show, you've been on here a couple times, Ori. Yes. And in this episode, I will be playing Mega Drive. 
Clay. Or, or rather, I mean, I'm going to Mega be... Drive is playing Ori. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's one of it's one of those uh, Batman Bruce Wayne sort of things. Which one's the real mask? <laughs> It's, it's definitely Alfred. It, Alfred's yeah. the real mask. Alfred is the mask. Oh. Alfred's his beard. Yeah, Actually, oh, I thought, yeah. the I thought mask. Jim Carrey was the mask. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, I did. Yes, uh, I am the the ranged weaponry specialist. <laughs> Snipe your jokes. Mega Drive has perished unexpectedly and will no longer be participating in this podcast. No! This goes on to you, Will, from the one-ups. Mega Drive returned <laughs> to his home planet. <laughs> True. And last but not least... Uh, hi, I'm JP. I'll be filling in for Saturn, who uh, is currently on another planet. And uh, has elected that I should, you know, be here to do something. Oh, play a video game? Play a board game. Board game? Role-playing game. Role-playing game. Role-playing game. And then paper. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> we might, we might yeah, play yes. some board games and video games later, but mm. uh, right now we're doing a marathon session that is a terrible right. role game. No, we, we are also missing someone uh, from the uh, blast processors. Well, I believe Menacer is dealing... He, he's serving time right now, right? Oh, yeah. Well, that's why they call him the Menacer. Yeah. yeah, after that stint in Virginia... That was his name <laughs> on the inside. Well, yeah. we were lucky to get him back into the country, let alone... Uh, yeah, every now and then he gets a he gets a day pass where he can come up and play with the band. But when he's done, he has to always go back into. Uh, so he's like animal from the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get conjugated. <laughs> Control medicine, no! Don't take your anger out on me. Yeah, that uh, that immediately makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that answers everything. <laughs> Uh, so first, before we get into the game, uh, we got the blast process on here. Julian, we talk about it all the time on Terrible Warriors at the end when we give off our names and that, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the band uh, for you know the one listener who hasn't heard of you yet. Yeah, uh, today's blast processors were an uh, elite um, fighting squadron from the year 2101 masquerading as a band in the year 2014. Um, we are a rock and we play rock and roll, um, synth-based rock inspired by classic tunes from the Sega Genesis, Master System, Game Gear eras, as well as some modern Sega tunes. And uh, we add lyrics and, and rearrange and basically bring our own kind of pseudo-dystopian take to the whole thing. Um, but yeah, our, the, what really happened is that in the year 2101, and you'll hear about this more in the actual podcast, this is more of an autobiography than fiction, really, as it stands. Um, the evil empire, who shall uh, remain unnamed at the moment, uh, has overthrown our peaceful existence and you know subjugated us and subjected us to horrible, cruel, unspeakable things. And uh, and we have formed a elite counterterrorism squad to travel back to the year 1991 to save the world from from the ramifications of the console war. Um, we powered our time machine with the Game Gear, however, and uh, ended up in the year 2013 instead of uh, 1991. So we're just kind of making the best of it. And so now you just make uh, balls to the wall synth rock. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we launched an album uh, about a month ago. Uh, our first LP, Genesis. Uh, it's available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RDO, and Pandora now. Um, so you and Bandcamp. Um, if you want to give money directly to us. And the internet. And the internets. And, I mean, check out Dice Warriors on Twitter and our Facebook page, because uh, by the time you're listening to this, we have already posted the music video. Yes, yes, we did just release the music <laughs> video for We Ride, our single off, off, the, off Genesis. Uh, it's um, a reflection of what the future looks like. It's a visualization of our time. In fact, if <laughs> you want to get an idea of what the mindscape from Mindjammer looks like, that's exactly what it looks like, <laughs> uh, because that's where it took place. That's where you guys, you filmed it on location. The mindscape. In yes. the brain. Yes. Of the brain. Yes. <laughs> it's insane. In the brain. 
It's amazing how much the future looks like the eighties. It's true. I mean, I predicted it. Yeah, everything, everything just <laughs> cycles around. Uh, anyone else have anything? I mean, how did you? How did like? It was Ori. I know uh, you and Julian were at uh, Magfest when I met you. Were you at the no, first? JP yeah, was. Uh, JP. Yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't at that uh, one. Yeah, you weren't at that one. It was JP and Julian when we all met, and that was, I think, around the time that the band sort of became had its genesis. Yeah, we, we these guys were jamming like Chris, Nick, and Ori had been jamming for a bit, and uh, I came back from Magfest super inspired, and I just met JP that Magfest trip, and then I was like, "Hey guys, can I muscle in on this band thing and let's play some Sega music?" And they were like, "Oh, okay." And then JP's like, hey, just I like second music the too. Got going. And, and then we all just kind of merged into this awesomeness that is today. And you've been ever mm-hmm. since. Yeah. And uh, what does it feel like? If I mean, here in Toronto, we've got a number of legendary venues that have been around for a long time that are all going through a series of closures. Yes. And yeah. uh, one of them that you've been playing at a lot is the Elma Combo. How does it feel like to probably be one, if not the last performance at the Elma Combo? Uh, the pressure's pretty high. I was thinking about that the other day. That's kind of like, holy shit, it's closing in November and we're playing October 24th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if only we it's could really, alter the timeline a little further. Yeah. I know. I, that's, I mean, an aside to everything, it's really sad to see the state of live music in Toronto right now with the like, venue after venue closing. Um, hopefully that this is just a phase where, like, we're, you know, everything's being turned there, there are some venues that are big now too like, like the Hoxton is a new one it's and a brand the new venue across the street from yeah. here a lot of time yeah so, and so I think things are picking up but it's just like it's a current time where music is so commoditized that yeah. it's easier for people to just sit back and watch a live performance rather than go to one yeah. unless it's a huge venue yeah but um, I think we'll see it turn around well today we're going to bring your band into the world of role playing games because that's what we do here on Turbo Warriors and on uh, this show we're playing like I mentioned it's called Mind Jammer Mind Jammer is in the actual game world uh, supposed to be set tens of thousands of years in the future and uh, when man and machine are indistinguishable and uh, the commonality of man has spread across the galaxy and there's aliens and other things are going on we're not doing any of that uh, I'm going to take the world from Mindjammer and sort of wedge it into the Blast Processor's background story. Jam it, you might yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to... We're just gonna Mind you. <laughs> and so There's four episodes of this, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's it's going to be a good one. Uh, in this world, uh, 2101, uh, not that far from today, except shortly from now... Uh, the singularity occurs, the event uh, that changes the rest of history, when the, uh, the exponential curve of technological advancement basically hits the vertical point on that graph, and, and every day sees uh, uh, advancements that are too fast for humans to keep up with. Well, I, I mean, we all thought it was going to be a great boom when Nintendo launched that we me, you know... Uh, personal augmentation technology. You swore never to speak the cursed words. But then, but then, but then the Mies became sentient. Yes. And and and, and there was no going back. So by the time we get to twenty one oh one, man and machine have merged indistinguishably. There is synthetic beings that are born in laboratories that are organic in nature but are synthetically created, and 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 they are Mies are. Yeah, they're basically uh, you know superior in, in 
thinking and strength and just about any way from, from a natural born human. Uh, shortly after the singularity, the machines were able to figure out the math to create faster than light travel and second space is created, allowing ships to jump out of the solar system and begin to quickly conquer the galaxy uh, using uh, the same machines uh, on the molecular level, uh, terraforming planets and building cities happen overnight now. Uh, Earth is transformed in the blink of an eye and it's too fast for the average person to keep up with and so they begin to upgrade themselves updating their or up, um, uploading their minds into machine bodies into constructs themselves so that they can live for thousands and millions of years to come uh, quickly the internet and the cloud as we have it becomes uh, an interstellar space that is connected to everyone's mind known as the mindscape and the title of mind jammer is from the ships that update Mindscape. The Mindscape is not faster than light. Uh, even though there's faster than light travel, communication still happens at the speed of light. So the Mind Jammer ships update the Mindscape, travel to other systems, and then keep patching, keeping because they can move faster than light. So they take in all the information from the local system, they go to a neighboring system and update it. And then they go to a neighboring system and update and update. And there's thousands of these Mind Jammers constantly moving around, constantly updating the Mindscape. And that's how they're able to sort of cheat the fact that communication only moves the travel of speed of light. So, so you're, say, you're saying that the that the mind space is basically the meverse. Yeah, and in <laughs> in the future the on mind in mind yes. jammer, it, technology has become uh, ubiquitous. But there's no more computers; they're completely irrelevant. Uh, when everything is sentient, and when you go into the mindscape, and even the the sentinels that you meet are AI constructs, and that. Uh, the idea of using a computer, you don't need to access that when your own mind is now, the, it has a direct link into uh, this, this cloud of information. Um, everything uh, just is part of, of the mindscape. And in the real world, or in normal space, end space, uh, every ship has a mind, every tool has a mind, everything is, is, is alive and, and thinks for itself. It's a little bit like the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, it's a living. It's a living. <laughs> And where we find ourselves, though, is the empire of Endo that has been responsible for the Miiverse and the Mindscape that has taken over the galaxy has expanded to such a degree that they have decided that uh, they want to not just conquer the universe, but conquer the universe before the universe ends. Like, they want everything. And figuring out the math, they want to outlive the universe. And so they begin working on the calculations to travel through time and head back hundreds of billions of years to an earlier universe that they will then take back their knowledge and bring their empire and loop it through time over and over again, always evolving each time they go back being more advanced than the first loop and the second loop, exponentially expanding to the point where they will become the universe and, and control all of creation. Not exactly the greatest outcome for humans who might want to be a part of that new universe they will be completely eradicated and so we join into our game where the group that will one day become the blast processors in the year 2101 has learned of this truth we can figure out how that is found out through your origin stories and is going to be chasing down the components of this time machine and stopping this empire before they can as we put it, strike back into the past and uh, stop all of history from ever happening. 
And that's where we come. It's all quite daunting and you're yes. probably going to die and not mix anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty less snakes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, okay. it's, no, it's not a day at the office. Yeah. So part of Mind Jammer is if you remember Monster Hearts that we did back in February, we went through and did Ola, I'm talking to the people at home, Nick. Don't don't shake your head. You don't listen to this podcast? No, thanks, thanks. Um, Game Gear is, uh, yeah. is still unplugged. I mm-hmm. was wondering if Ori could actually plug him back in. Okay. Ah. Always with the plug it in. On Monster Hearts, uh, the origin stories were told uh, one at a time around the table and were incorporated into other people's backstories. By the time we were done, we had created the universe. (laughs) We're doing the same thing with Mind Jammers, it's a little bit more complicated. I don't actually know how this game is going to play out. I don't have my NPCs, I don't have my big bad, I don't even have my planets, because those are going to be brought up here as we learn the backstory from each of the players. So we'll start with Julian. And you're going to let me know who you are and uh, some of your, your aspects that define your character so that uh, we, we can meet you and learn who you are. And then we're going to do for the first round of origin stories a solo story, a story that only involves you. You're the main character of this particular movie. You're going to let us know what happened. And from that, you're going to be able to get an aspect that you'll be able to use in the game um, to increase your skills. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll decide as a group what that aspect will be once we hear your crazy backstory. All right. Well, today I'm playing Age's Soldier Master System, a unit of the uh, unit designation 68K12. <laughs> um, but I start as a humble civilian citizen prior to the, the war. Um, there had always been kind of civil war rumblings and contention between different factions on on. on you know, we knew it as Earth, but it's now known as Old Earth. Um, at the time, I was just a, 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 basically a cadet in training, you know, hanging out with my family, you know, working in the reserves. But by the time the, the resistance had risen up um, and, and started taking things over, uh, it, it just got absolutely, absolutely intense. They, they laid siege to my hometown, slaughtered everyone I knew, um, parents just absolutely eviscerated. And I have survived only by hiding under, you know, debris and, uh, and, and basically, you know, whatever I could find to survive. Uh, I spent the next few years moving from kind of roving colony to colony, finding adoptive people to just live off of the land with, right, you know, basically surviving uh, until I found across a resistance cell people who had sworn themselves to, to fighting the, the oppression of this uh, basically res- a group that had now established themselves as a modern government. Basically overthrown the old and started with inroads. Who was the leader of that resistance cell? The leader of that resistance cell was a man by the name of Naka. Naka. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, wow. That's inside. <laughs> <laughs> and Naka was basically a, a father to me. He, uh, he taught me the things I needed to know, uh, bestowed upon me skills to make me a fine soldier, and, uh, and as I grew, we created a, a very tight bond, a unit, to, to fight against the um, newly established government of Endo. At that time, it was a republic, um, but we knew that they were destined for, for way worse than that. The, the delusions of democracy uh, and the illusion they were presenting to the people was only a matter of time. So we were training, waiting for that very moment to strike back. Um, from the very get-go, as a result of that, I was declared an outlaw, and my, all my, my squadron of, of ages members were declared an outlaw, um, and, and as such, we were constantly on the move. 
we started off ragtag, maybe 10, 15 of us. By the time um, we made our first strike, we were in the hundreds. And that first strike, I want to know what planet that took place on, because it wasn't Old Earth at that point. Endo had moved on and created a new headquarters. Yeah, we would uh, we had actually left towards Mars at that point. Um, they were going to bastion a setup, but like they'd set first the first planet they set up on after conquering Old Earth uh, and basically declaring sovereignty over it was the Moon, establishing the, you know, getting rid of all the existing Earth Moon bases and taking control of that, and using it as a launching point to get to Mars, Venus and Mercury. Their heat shielding technology had allowed them to establish a base on Mercury without having to worry about the intense radiation of the sun. Uh, they'd of course renamed all of these, these planets um, after their various gods and idols. Um, there, was, there was one planet, I think, I think Mars has been at this point, uh, had been renamed um, designation Z-LDA. <laughs> And, uh, this is inside uh, baseball, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Mercury being a, a very heated planet. <laughs> they renamed as Varia. Okay, uh, yeah. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you made the strike against Pregnant Mars. Pause there. That's like this gonna be good. You made yeah. that strike against Mars, right. and how how did this first adventure end for you? What happened? Oh, we were decimated. Uh, we we tried to make basically we uh, led an expeditionary force, and we, we grabbed a, as many ragtag vessels, mostly uh, civilian transport vessels, as we possibly could, outfitting them with whatever weaponry we could find, and led a, a full scale assault on their. Um, Imperial capital on Mars at that point they'd established. Uh, it did not, or at that point it was ZLDA. Um, we, we, we failed miserably. Uh, the vast majority of our um, squad didn't survive. And we. Including uh, Naka. Including Naka. Naka fell heavily that day. Um, it, we were left with, with maybe 10, 15 soldiers at the end, uh, back to basically where we started. And it was at that point that we abandoned the, the name Ages and left ourselves as basically a nameless group of mercenaries. And that's where you've been at that point. Now is the end of your first adventure. We move to Game Gear's origin. Uh, Nick, on behalf of Game Gear, of course, uh, let us know what your first, or not, it doesn't have to be your first adventure, it's just a solo adventure at some point along your time. Mm. Um, oh, sorry, before we do that, what, the aspect from uh, the Resistance, uh, uh, if we talk about the table, um, if we were to give one of the aspects that uh, Julian's going to be able to use throughout the game, um, what do you think, I mean, I'm thinking with, with the death of the Resistance is the, the, the last, you know, this last surviving member, you know, uh, like a survivor's guilt or a, uh, I don't want to give it a trouble, but what kind of positive aspect could someone have out of that as a veteran of of, mm. uh, of the of the of those early rebellions that were very quickly squashed? We came back in time, so everyone's alive again. It's actually all right. <laughs> no survivor guys are guilt at all. Well, 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 yeah, yeah, that well, your crocodile tears. Well, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Dead. And we're getting ahead of at this point in the story. You have yet to succeed in traveling back in time. You might not succeed in this timeline to do that. Uh, because uh, <laughs> this isn't your official backstory. Um, well, it sounds what like, it sounds like a person like that would be like very um, 
uh, ingrained with their beliefs. Like he's been there since the beginning of the the revolution. Like you, you're. I was into the revolution before it was cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hipster, <laughs> hipster revolution. You're a hipster. We have one in the future still. They're, they're, Pumpkin spice is. Uh, they still wear flats. Yeah, they do. I don't, I don't know where they're getting all this flannel. Marching over the trenches with your wax mustaches. It's called psi flannel in the future. Ah, yes. Vibro flannel. Vibro flannel. <laughs> uh, so we now move to uh, Nick, who's not actually. Uh, obviously, your character is not going to be the same as, as one of these four is not like the others. Um, give us a bit of an introduction to your character before we hear about your adventure. Well, I mean. First of all, I'm not even someone who actually went on any of these adventures. I'm just. But well, uh, you're going to be playing the role-playing game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you're going to be role-playing as Game Gear. I'm the vessel for Game Gear's will. There's a bard, if you will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm. God, I'm the dandelion to his Geralt. Uh, <laughs> really, like, congratulations to both people who got that reference. <laughs> yeah, I was um, sitting here with question marks. Um, the. Thing about Game Gear is he actually started off as a Game Gear. Um, <laughs> what? Right. Uh, produced in 1991, like he is one of the original run, and just somehow survived up until the point where we hit the the singularity, uh, and from there. Oh, I like this. Like, like, very mournful. I'm into this. Yeah. You're an ancient soul. The, yeah, this like Kubrickist-esque thing is going on right now. Um, but unlike some of the other machines, you found your own sentience and began to grow out of your own sense of history and exactly. nostalgia. Uh, once surviving the singularity, Game Gear actually began to uh, reach out through the slowly evolving mindscape at this point. Uh, as we so colloquially call it exactly um and he started to assimilate other technologies and began to grow both physically and in terms of all of his uh technical components as well um and what really pushed him above and beyond to become the special forces member within ages that he is um, where there were several engineers in the early days of ages who actually sacrificed their physical being in order to uh, give their consciousness to Game Gear. So he is actually a sum of many parts. Um, and this Including, I mean, not just scientists and engineers, but also um, one in particular video game collector uh, that had survived the early days of the Empire's takeover and filled you with that sense of nostalgia and worth about what you used to be. Mm, yeah, uh, at that point, he was a, he was an ancient. He was he was an old man of a hundred years and uh, had been holding on to this uh, this game gear that he had got for Christmas back in ninety one. Oh, what was yeah. his name again? And then donated it to the engineers to uh, upgrade you into an interstellar spacecraft. His, uh, the name of this collector actually um, was in fact Johnny Kick. <laughs> What? <laughs> Dude's silently dying. I don't know. To the literally one person who gets that. It's all about the, the hidden references on this one, oh, right? Uh, this yeah. is this is this is gonna be a podcast full of Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is just like niche fill. <laughs> 
So uh, you can do a style sheet because there's a lot of H okay. references. Going so in, in, in game Jesus. terms, unlike the other players who are playing as human characters or at least hominid characters, you are actually a construct. You are going to be playing the role of the sentient starship. Yeah, Game Gear. Um, again, as he started assimilating to different te- uh, different technologies, he began to physically. Uh, grow as well, and ended up becoming a spacefaring vehicle. So that can house a crew of sixteen. Exactly. So now has a, a full weapons battery. well, I mean uh, the battery uh, is a two kind space of issue, jump system. But oh yeah. Oh sorry, I used the word. I used the B word. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. A trigger. That, that's a sore spot. Uh, <laughs> everything in this timeline is now using a. a when machines figured out how to work uh, zero-point energy, say harnessing like black holes, um, they were able to use that to power their engines with the amount of energy needed to uh, break the, the light-speed barrier and go through what they call two-space. Um, and then there's rumors of an early testing on three-space, which is even faster than two-space. It's, it's crazy. It's going to be coming out soon. Uh, uh, it'll be paying attention to the uh, the announcement that'll be happening at... Uh, at was it Me World that they have every year uh, down in uh, old LA? So the um, yeah, I've been uh, zero. If you, if you happen to have it, be sure to pay attention to the broadcast on BB Me. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, zero point energy uh, that your ship uses, however, is is uh, not it, it's it's outdated. It's one of the earlier forms of it. And it tends to run out of energy mm. quite often. Um, yeah, I think Game Gear was almost one of the forefronts of that um, that sentient uh, technology, that uh, sentient AI, and uh, particularly for spacefaring vehicles, I'm pretty sure, according to him anyway, he was the first. Um, like, one of the first uh, colored hand, I mean, um, spaceships with sentient AI. Um, so, so, he actually kind of takes that as a point of pride as well. Um, he isn't very much a fan of any other sentient AI or sentient uh, spaceships. He kind of... You got a bit of a... You got an air about you. Yeah, he's got a chip off of his shoulder there. <laughs> Is that one of your aspects that you've written down? Uh, yeah, he absolutely... What's it called? Uh, it's very Rocket Raccoon-esque. Ain't no thing like me except me. Okay, great, excellent. So that's the end gear. Oh, man. So give us your... Uh, we're going through the first phase of origin stories here. What is your... It doesn't have to be as long as Julian's either. Hell, it can just be a headline. What was your uh, your first adventure uh, that, that gave you that aspect that we're going to learn about afterwards? And this is not your first adventure, sorry, your solo adventure, the one that starred you. Yeah, the Game Gear's first adventure actually was um, very, very shortly, as he was kind of learning the ins and outs of, you know, growing and being a giant Game Gear flying through space. Um, he ended up making the wrong turn and ended up actually on uh, Venus, which at this point was um, was codenamed uh, Mother. Nice. I give I, I give that one a, a, a thumbs up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Seven out of ten. That's yeah, a seven out of ten. Yes. It's better than Varia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there wasn't as long of a pause before. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, so you you accidentally flew into mother. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mother, no. <laughs> yeah, laughing at the puzzle. Which um, is ironic because you were supposed to be earthbound at this point. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's over here only. The sniper, ladies and gentlemen. 
This is gonna be a long quote. <laughs> <laughs> We're only halfway through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. the first oh, episode. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Game Gear, uh, okay. on his own, before he assembled the full crew, uh, was flying towards Mother and actually ended up uh, brushing through, or getting caught within the gravity well around the planet. And at that point, he um, claims that he passed um, another vessel, which was a long, remote-like object, all sleek and white, um, but he was just instantly turned off because it was, uh, the technology seemed to have been surpassing him, even though he had been on his own without any support. Uh, after these engineers had uh, sacrificed their physical bodies in order to become a part of them. Um, that, that, that ship was uh, driven entirely by accelerometers, right? Not by uh, any form of actual manual input. No, it was uh, entirely accelerometers and uh, some gyroscopes <laughs> as well. Um, they actually... So you missed out on this rebellion here that Julian's talking about. You're just out flying around on your own learning uh, what you were about. Uh, Gengar was again, a member of Aegis at that point, but he wasn't directly involved in the rebellion. He was more of the scientific uh, R&D side of things. Okay. So he was uh, not... Trying out all the prototypes. He was not originally a soldier. You were the early adopter. Yeah, he, uh, he became a soldier out of necessity. Okay. So you, uh, you, you see this remote figure going past Mother, and uh, I mean, how did the adventure uh, play out? What happened next? Oh, it totally, totally skinned me. Like traded paint everything. Oh so, wow! Yeah. Um, so, anyway. so this one time you had a fender bender. Oh god! And that was your solo that, adventure. That shit don't fly. Yeah. No. And your insurance premiums went up. And... Yeah, yeah, game good. Don't play that. Oh wow. Okay. So, uh, guys, what is his aspect on his solo adventure? That one time where he ran really closely to another ship. Um, by the planet of Mother. I'm not sure. Julian was just retrieving some stuff in the cryo unit. So, so. <laughs> I'm really liking how in this Meverse, uh, they're like rewriting all of history by like even renaming the planets. What, what if he's actually got a, a weakened hull on that one side as a result of it? But like, like it both structurally and emotionally, but it's like a battle, it's like a physical battle scar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to add that to one of your troubles, Nick, that's that's fine. Um, but it's for your phase. Scar. Aspect. I don't want it to be a trouble. I want it to be something that he can invoke. You know, some, something he earned. What did he learn from this encounter that he that made him stronger? Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Um. Always oh, look both ways before you. Yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Give him like a, a more. I guess a keen awareness of of whatever the. Always look both ways. Yeah, spatial awareness. awareness spatial I guess. awareness. Yeah. yeah. There you go. He has to mind his surroundings. That's Batman. Thanks. Oh, I get it. Spatial awareness, because it works in space, right? Too. It yeah. works on right? multiple levels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now we're yeah, thinking think about that. Oh now you're thinking in portals. Now you're thinking in three space. <laughs> so, uh, before we get to Ori, we're going to take a quick break. Damn it, why do you always do that? We've got uh, Steve standing by with the mention for Audible. Uh, which is uh, you know a great way that we are hoping to raise money for this podcast. So, hey, Steve, uh, take it away. Hey, it's Steve Saylor from These Warriors Are Terrible, coming to you live from the Terrible Warriors Studios in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That was my radio voice. Did you like it? That's <laughs> why I got into radio, boys and girls. <laughs> uh, so, this okay, I'm here to tell you about Audible, because Audible is a sponsor of this show, and we're very happy to have them on. And 
they have over 150,000 titles to choose from when it comes to your audiobook needs. And you know how much we love audio stuff around here because we love storytelling and we love podcasting. So the two, when they meet, you get Audible. And that's what we got for you today. So if you, But if you go to audibletrial.com slash terriblewarriors, you can get a free book on us. That's right. Absolutely free. Any book you want in the store. It's completely free. All you need to do is sign up for a 30-day risk-free trial. What that means is you can sign up for 30 days for free, and you can cancel at any time, and the book that you get for free is still yours to keep. You can keep it forever if you want to. It's completely up to you. Now, out of all those titles to choose from Audible, it may be hard to find something that you like that or you want to download or use your free credit on. So today we're going to give you a Audible suggestion. Now, this episode, you can be able to download, if you want, uh, Consider Phlebas, Culture Book One by Ian M. Banks. It's uh, it's on Audible right now. And actually, the entire series is on Audible. Now, I don't know personally uh, this particular book series, uh, but I have it on good authority from several of the Terrible Warriors crew members that it is a very good book to be, uh, to be able to pick up. So I'm just going to read the description or the summary of the book, and you can decide if you so choose, want to, you know, download it. The war raged across the galaxy. Ooh, that sounds good. Billions had died. No, that's not good. Billions more were doomed. No, that's even worse. What the heck? Moons, planets, the very stars themselves faced destruction. Cold-blooded, brutal, and worse, random. The Idrians fought for their faith, the culture for its moral right to exist. Principles were at stake. There could be no surrender. Man, this is getting dark. Within the cosmic conflict, an individual crusade. Deep within a fabled labyrinth on a barren world, a planet of the dead. Prescribed to mortals lay a fugitive mind. Both the culture and the Idrians sought it. It was the fate of Horza, the Changer, and his motley crew of unpredictable mercenaries, humans and machines, actually to find it, and with it, their own destruction. Ooh, kind of creepy, isn't it? Oh, I'm getting the chills. So, yes, that's Consider Phlebas Culture Book One by Ian M. Banks. You can be able to pick that up as your free book if you go to audibletrial.com slash terriblewarriors, and you'll be helping out the show, and you get a free book uh, out of it. So, there you go. Uh, now, back to the show already in progress. Bye. All right. Thanks a lot, Steve. And again, uh, go check out Audible. Go check out those books. They really do help us out. It's a it's an easy way for you to find support for our podcast. And uh, uh, anyway, we're going to keep mentioning it in the next couple episodes. But right now, we're doing our origin stories with the Blast Processors for the beginning of Mind Jammer, which is probably going to get renamed to Me Jammer once the Empire of Endo finds out what we're doing. Uh, so, uh, Ori, our Mega Drive. Yes, hello. So tell us first who your character is, what kind of role he's going to be playing into uh, this month's game. And then, when you're done with that, just go ahead with your adventure. Sure. So, Mega Drive uh, has less convictions than uh, the last two that we've heard. They've been, like, sort of these lifelong uh, uh, feelings and, like, just come from, uh, like, discovering who they are. Yeah, and, like, like watching of age stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and, uh, Master System has this whole, like, upbringing of, like, watching, like, the world basically crumble around him. Uh, Mega Drive is more of just uh, a mercenary. He has no love for the Empire, um, and he, he likes the uh, the older tech uh, a lot more, but he's he's more of a gun for hire. He kind of just does his own thing. Um, and that's always been putting him in, in trouble with the law on uh, various planets. Uh, and he's just, he's just generally 
uh, he's on the list for the Empire. Like this, this jackass who's just flying through space, just wrecking their shit everywhere. Some kind of merc with a mouth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't know what that machine did. Yes, yeah. Obscene gesture. Um, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Go watch that. Um, I will. Yes, again and again. Um, so that in theaters now. I think it still is. I hope so. Yeah. By the time this airs, I hope it's still. Yeah, it should seriously. be in theaters forever. I'll probably go see it three <laughs> times before this airs. Yeah, so that's basically the crux of uh, of Mega Drive's character. He's just kind of flying around as a. What are what are some of your aspects you want to share here? Uh, is any I mean, you came up with some really good ones with Machine Zite, and I just wanted to hear what what you might have invented for this game. Um, aspects. I have lots of of aspects. Are uh, any of them funny, or are they all just like, really <laughs> just, dry? Oh god! Oh oh, I, oh, I, oh! I see what you've done here. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, well, because we all went around in the character grade. Let, let's go. Let, let's go. Let's go do your adventure. We're gonna come up with some aspects okay, of what happens. Yes, um, I'm prepared. Um, so, Mega Drive's uh, most notable adventure uh, happened when he was uh, in the vicinity of uh, the Great. The, the Empire has this uh, one planet that's dedicated to holding all of its resources and economy. Um, which used to be Uranus. Um, they were going to rename it to Earth 2, but they decided that that wasn't quite right, and they just decided, from now on, it's just kind of known as the Doki Doki planet. Um. <laughs> which, which planet? The uh, Uranus. Oh, Uranus. Yes. Now it's just Doki Doki planet. Um. <laughs> but... Uh, Mega Drive. Sorry, just interjecting here. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Thank you. Thank wow. you. Wow. <laughs> Setup delivery golden. We haven't left the solar system. What is the point in having faster than light interstellar travel if, if we're just dealing with Venus and Mars and Mercury? We're talking about the early days of the rebellion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. All right. All right, that's fine. I, mean, I, I thought it, would, it, would, it could have been turned out to be like Firefly. We'll just stick to the one solar system for the entire adventure <laughs> and just visit a bunch of moons, but uh, we'll see. Um, well, game, uh, game here. Uh, Mega Drive on his own doesn't have uh, the equipment it would take to uh, leave the solar system itself um, just because he's running off of his own tech, um, which is a bit older, but... I digress. While he was on uh, Doki Doki Planet, he came up with this uh, this scheme. Everyone um, else has a tech level uh, of, let's just say, like it's going to be nine, but it's going to be like the the average tech level of the universe, except for Mega Drive, who has a tech level of one below everyone else. <laughs> he just admitted that. Well, I, wait, wait a second. This ties into my story. Yeah. Um, so uh, while I was there, uh, Mega Drive came up with this scheme uh, based on information that he had uh, pulled from doing similar jobs before of how he could amass uh, a huge amount of, uh, of currency. Uh, and what this involved was taking uh, multiple of these uh, cartridges, which is basically how you uh, store uh, large amounts of currency in uh, the Empire system. Uh, it's how the black market stores because it's, sorry, one of the rules in Mindjammer is there's unlimited capacity for 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 storage and memory. Everywhere. Right, right, yeah. But uh, for black market trading and things where you don't want to be keeping it on the mind space, exactly. certainly yeah. cartridges are still very much in vogue as a way to keep things <laughs> off of the mind space. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's it's supposed to be like off the books. Yeah, right? I mean, like the traditional name they call it digital distribution. 
Yes. Uh, but we, you know, this is this is more of a, a physical approach. Yeah. They're they're very paranoid. They like to keep everything like close to close to the chest. Um, but what Mega Drive, what what I figured out how to do was that I could, I could, I created this system that I was able to actually stack one onto another in order to uh, smuggle uh, and like distribute those funds to my own uh, resources. Now, what would you call that? Um, it was a, it was a lock on technology. Right. Um, okay. However, I was uh, quickly found out. Uh, and arrested but by who? Who was the by, investigator who arrested uh, you? So I got brought in by one of the uh, uh, the legendary Mode Sevens, which is basically the elite force of uh, the Empire of Endo. They they take out like the biggest uh, the biggest thorns in their side. Which member of Mode Seven was the one who actually arrested you? Uh, that would have been uh, this. He's, he's uh, one of their uh, synthetic androids. Uh, I believe his name was Project N64. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the earlier uh, models that they've actually uh, adopted into this uh, elite squadron. 604. Uh, sorry? 604? Uh, 64. N64. 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 Oh, oh. N64. Yeah, designation N64. Right. Um, I don't like that guy. Uh, but yeah, so I was brought in by those guys, but thanks to a, uh, a violent skirmish that I was able to create uh, in the prison, I was ma- I managed to escape, and since then I've been one of their, like, priority one. Worth uh, noting that prison is spelled with a capital N at the end. In- <laughs> yeah. Anything, well, anything with the, the letter N, the N is capitalized. And yeah, as, as royal decree from the Empire of Venice. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. yes. Which, which, by the way, is lowercase e, capital, capital N, N, N yes. D-O, yeah, of yes. course, as it is. Yeah. Um, the uh, in in prison. Uh, <laughs> you have to pronounce it as a hard uh, name. You you made a number of excellent contacts as well. Yes. So in some of your aspects that you can write down, you have black market contacts. You yeah. have uh, you you have a connection with the underworld. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even put that in part of your culture too, where you're an outlaw. Um, so you you made uh, you can come up with names if you want. You can share them with me of the people that you met in that prison who may or may not have escaped with you. Mm-hmm. May still be in there, but are able to hack into the mindscape while they're in that area. Um, it's a, a, I mean prison is an unusual thing to do in a world where um, information is is sort of everywhere. They more usually just deal with executions. Yeah. So the empire normally keeps these people prisoners in either a, a, a mode of stasis or they're using their minds to uh, crunch numbers and, 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 and get things going. Basically the prisons yeah, become the yeah. prisons become like a matrix style computer bank. Yes. And uh, and you're all trapped in not cells but virtual mindscape realities mm-hmm. uh, that you can't escape from. So it was quite a feat for you to uh, hack your way out. I think you probably had some help when that happened. I definitely but did. We'll that was, that well, it wasn't just me, but uh, yeah, it was something I just managed to do uh, based on... who. It's, it's more about who you know in those yeah. situations. But you're not a hacker. Uh, no, I'm, I'm more of a, a hands-on uh, weaponry kind of guy. Okay, so we now move to our final character... Uh, JP, uh, you're playing uh, the role of Saturn, uh, who is the probably the most technologically advanced person in this team. Yes, well, it's a it's a funny story. I mean, it really goes for millennia and yet no years at all. Really, it starts in ancient Earth with the practice of meditation. 
back when ninja masters and samurai would get together in the same room and meditate together to focus on their chi. Uh, right, I gotta see where this is going. Go <laughs> we, we all are, be good. We're all going like what? Okay, go ahead. Through extreme concentration, they were able to develop space travel via the mind, and in doing so, planted a colony on a remote planet, which you now know as Saturn. Well, Saturn. Saturn. Both okay, my bad. My bad. Wrong pronunciation. In any case, this planet was discovered years and years later. It is not the Saturn of our solar system. Turns out, there's about a Saturn for every solar system there is out there, and there's about 20 of them. <laughs> Rings, motherfucker. 20 of them. Okay. Yes. On this planet, because, of course, when you create life via mind power, all you can do is create some very simple, gooey-like substances, which happen to sort of surround the local flora and fauna. Uh, this gooey-like substance gave sort of sentience to a rat upon that surface, uh, which became one of the first xenomorphs of the universe. Now this xenomorph uh, was instilled with, of course, the consciousness of those ninja masters. What's his name? <laughs> I think we weren't doing aliens, but you uh, just retconned that. His uh, name is sort of a fragment splinter, if you will. Okay. So we got God splinter. Excellent. God damn it. It's <laughs> <clears throat> very serious, guys. It's hard for me to talk about. Game Gear just powered off again. <laughs> yeah. So we do a splinter. just like purposely powered Surprise tie-in to the Aegis Rebellion, and, uh, and 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 might even lead into some of these other story threads, right? It does. Oh, sorry, uh, that's reminding me. Thank you, thank you, uh, Master System. Yes. Yes. Oh no, that's that's not what I wanted. Uh, you know, just keep playing. Keep playing that. Keep playing that. That's good. Yes. Yes. Good. These guys are professional musicians. Everybody. It's like a PBS documentary. So when uh, when the singularity occurred, of course. Uh, for some time, humans had developed space travel, uh, and they had discovered, to some extent, this hidden planet that they had created millennia ago, however, in an unknown fashion. Knowing that the singularity was upon them, they put rocket thrusters on this planet and sent it far out of the reach of any other planets, far into the deep space of Rocket no time. Saturn? Was yes. This, was this, so, Rocket Saturn 9. This was the ninth of the 20 Saturn planets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so Robert they had an opportunity to collaborate with various other corporations in order to create life that would exist, but they decided that they knew better. So they sent this one off. <laughs> in any case, long story short, Saturn is a synthetic that was created by these gooey creatures who were instilled into the rat via ninjas. How this the hell did really you get into the rest of the story? Because I would have said Saturn, because you just said Saturn 9 just escaped everything and then was uh, away from the singularity. But the only way you could be a part of this story is if you were then discovered uh, by the Empire of Endo 
brought in probably as a synthetic officer of Endo, it's, and then it's quite you simple. then rebelled against Endo when you were stationed as a warden of the prison that Ori was at, and you hey, hacked him out. It's it's actually fairly simple. Uh, the yes. rockets sent sent me back to old Earth into orbit around Sol, around where Saturn is today. So there's now two Saturns in the Earth solar system. No, it turns out that the, that's the original Saturn. It was there the whole time. Um, okay, so <laughs> you Jeez. mentally projected. So the ninjas from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let me get this. It's best, okay, it's best not to think too hard home, about this one. For our listeners at home, I'd just like to say um, Saturn's notes right now are an angle. No, a no. Circle That's a circle pointing to a pile of goo <laughs> and a rat. And then they combine to make the okay. symbol with an up arrow. Uh, as Game Master, oh, I'm <laughs> going to... <laughs> that was a really roundabout way of getting a... Okay. Well, I, get yeah. I, I, okay. I, I get what happened, uh, JP. I'm going to veto a lot of that story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is happened is uh, the mind space, uh, that uh, the mindscape part of Mind Jammer, uh, hackers have the ability to steal, manipulate, and change your own memories and perceptions. And because of the number of times you've been hacked or been the hacker, your memories are not reliable. You're going to put that down as one of your troubles. Uh, you don't know what history is anymore. You're absolutely convinced that this adventure that you told me is real and happened, and it never did. It's a collision of, of ancient pop culture astro theology and some weird Saturn cult that uh, ended up creating a synthetic version of you that should never have existed. Uh, the Empire saw this as a way to uh, exploit the black market hackers that have been a thorn in their side. So trouble, absolutely perfect recollection. Of <laughs> I like that your, your, one of your cultural uh, aspects is basically is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, oh. and when, we, when we get around to it, the next round of origin stories, uh, we're going to go in reverse order, and we're going to start with JP. Uh, JP, uh, your uh, second adventure where you collaborated with another player was with Ori. Uh, he was in prison, and you were the synthetic... I don't have this record. ...looking after the, uh, the prison, and because of your oh, failed recollection... he was the rat! Yeah, you you not, you not got him out. Not a rat. You totally you hacked him out of his mind prison. Okay. And, yes, this is becoming uh, familiar escaped. now. Yes, I recall. I recall. I hacked him out of his mind prison. Upon which we decided to tase ourselves to trick the guards into thinking we were ill. Unfortunately, that part's true. <laughs> okay, so uh, both of you figure out an aspect uh, that the two of you can share from that from that prison break. Resilience, um, tasing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been tased, bro. Just put that out. Yeah, yes, yes. other aspects been tased. That's actually a good aspect because there's a, there's some yeah. really double yeah. edge to that sword. So uh, on the other Reckless side of the table, um, Julian, what was your second adventure? Uh, just real short here uh, that you collaborate. You you were a support role for another person at the table. Yeah. So while um, Game Gear was actually you know had his encounter on Mother, and and you were on ZLDA, basically creating a orchestrated strike. Um, he was basically out there engaging with this ship, right? This particular, like, 
long, yes, sleek, it was an remote-esque ship. Um, after we finished our incursion on ZLDA, and we were basically decimated, we retreated back to our base on Old Earth. Um, that's where we really established ourselves. We had basically had a small area that we knew was uncontrolled, that basically ruins that no one gave a shit about. Um, after the, the encounter that he had, we heard reports of basically endo ships that had been aggressively engaging with Aegis mm -hmm. ships uh, and Aegis vehicles. Uh, so we created an all, all like an APB all call back on our secure channel frequency to call everyone back to our space docking area, and then we would we basically had a our own little parcel of, of old Earth, which is basically polluted and destroyed at this point. Sure, Everyone's exactly. everything it's a waste LDA, it's, 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 But it's, we do still have a working space elevator, and we are currently in the possession of that space elevator. Okay. Um, so, at the, so we get the call back that there's some damaged vessels and that we need to investigate them. Um, I take it upon myself to go do a little bit of a, just a, a, an assessment of the situation. Uh, at this point, I've been upgraded my new designation uh, after the ZLD encounter <laughs> okay, with SG-1000. Uh, I'd come from from a 68k12 to to SG1000, and uh, and that how meant the, that I was in command of the engineering. How did this tie in with Nick's adventure? You were supporting him in what exactly? So we had basically when Nick was out on his particular adventure at the time, we had set out transponders to monitor all the signals and things that yep. he was getting. So uh, he was he was basically on fact finding mission, whether or not he knew it. Uh, he was getting all sensor data. So at the time, I was monitoring everything that was going on. Um, as a result of that, we managed to glean insight into the basically mechanical operations of Endo's primary fleet of vessels. They're called uh, MOT-Es. Uh, so during the Miiverse, they basically became Miimotes, we called them. Um, Based on the performance of Nick's, you know, a physical encounter with it, yeah, we were actually managed to able, like, once he came back and redocked, we were able to siphon off uh, physical evidence and physical okay. material of this particular Great. Thing. So you found, you, you supported him in his uh, brush with death yeah. uh, with a Memote, and you were able to also find uh, the, the... the Actual hull armor. Uh, the, basically, they use a very yeah, particular type of metal that we don't have. That's I'm rushing things up because we are running close to the end, and I want to get through these last couple origins. And, and it's just a way for you guys to get um, those final aspects. So when you helped out Nick, what was the aspects the two of you shared from that event that, that the two of you got out of that? Um, communication through secure channels. Uh, I was uh, using a, uh, a codec called Space Channel 5. So put that aspect down, Space Channel 5. Yep. Yes. And that was something that the two of you pioneered. Uh, back in that, that mission that has now become standard amongst the resistance. Ooh la la. So, uh, back onto the other side. This, does this not make sense? That, that makes, no, that, that is, uh, that is uh, Ori. Uh, you get to pick someone at the table. Okay. And tell me a very quick adventure that you, you shared with them. Oh, geez. Um, well. Is this is how you and Game Gear met? Yes, this is how me and Game Gear met. This is how we do it. So, looking back here, you've escaped from prison with the help of a hacker who thinks that you're a rat. Yes. Because he has absolutely no idea of how reality actually yeah. works anymore. He's just completely... Uh, uh, Master Fragment was a very important part of my history. Please do <laughs> <laughs> So, basically, the next part of my, uh, of my like, uh, official getaway was to get a ship. Um, and like I, I, mine had been like completely decimated. The, the empire rarely uh, leaves that stuff just lying around. 
for just such an equation. No, they'll absorb the, the, the parts, uh, break it down. To, yeah, it has to, to be assimilated into their... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was, like, desperate for a ship and just sort of stumbled... Desperate. 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 Your turn. Desperate. That's a Deus Ex reference. Um, for all two of you. <laughs> God damn it, this is going to be a, a theme with you. It's just two people that get references. Yeah, but um, it's, two, it's two different people. Never yeah, but I managed to stumble upon this ship um, okay. with a very peculiar AI um, based off of, like, uh, an old Game Gear. And I, I was familiar with the, with the technology because uh, Mega Drive is all about the older uh, tech. It's his uh-huh. forte. Um, so I was able to figure out his systems fairly quickly. Uh, a little schizophrenic, but... Um, uh, we managed to form a, a strange uh, friendship, sort of a, uh, he's the muscle uh, to my uh, my uh, brains, I guess. But I'm also the brains because I can deal with technology. Right, so I'm just kind of uh, and a just, slaughter, I guess. Okay, so what's the aspect of the two of you shared from this, uh, from this quick uh, crossing of paths, where um, the two of you are now uh, following the same path? Yeah, um... It was a lot of interpersonal skills that we picked up. Him being able to deal with the schizophrenia of Game Gear's multiple engineer. And you know what? And the aspect of you also dealing with him not having a clear uh, grasp on reality and a ship that I'm is going bitter. through. Uh, 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 For the record, synthetics are created with the memories of certain legendary heroes, and my synthetic was created with the memory of Master Fragment. Just for the record. <laughs> yes. So, so dealing with that and dealing with uh, with Game Gear's schizophrenia, mm-hmm. uh, you have. I guess you're going to pick up an aspect of you know. Uh, you can just you. I'm kind of used to working with like just the, the strangest of characters, yeah. like people who uh, other people would find fairly com- incomprehensible. I I kind of just am able to work so with just, the madness. So just put down your aspect, strange company. Strange or, company, right? Yeah. And, and and you can. So if we come across any kind of characters that are just deranged, you're yeah. probably gonna be able to get a little bit of a bonus when it comes to dealing with them when you spend your fake points. Uh, the last person that hasn't given their second adventure is Game Gear. Just pick someone at the table and just, like, I mean, we're, we're getting close to that one hour mark. So just give me a, a very short sort of, um, they were on this mission and I either helped them or made it complicated or a little bit of both. And then uh, the two of you can sort of finish each other's sentences and come up with that adventure was. Well, uh, the, this was obviously uh, the only thing I can think of is when uh, Game Gear first encountered Saturn. Um, man, those are I'm days. so sorry. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so our, our first encounter was actually um, it was uh, my first uh, actual attack mission, my first assault mission that I'd uh, ever been on. And um, sorry, sorry. Uh, so Ginger being a, a greenhorn at this point, and Saturn having millennia of experience, uh, ninja training. Delusions. Which yeah. may or may not. Saturn having delusions of grandeur. Um, <laughs> it actually was the most, uh, surprisingly, the most supportive and the best commander I could uh, possibly have. Oh, wow. The first encounter. So what's the aspect that the two of you got out of this? Like, you, uh, you're just battle-hardened? Do you trust each other now? Comrades in arms? Comrades uh, brothers, in brothers in arms? <laughs> brothers in arms. Just yeah. put brothers in arms down. All right. I'm going to um, add company to... I mean... 
We can do it. We're going to be, be a little bit over time, but we're going to go through it one more time. So we had uh, uh, JP uh, did the adventure with Ori. Ori did the adventure with Nick. Nick did the adventure with JP. And Julian did an adventure with Nick. Himself. For the third round, uh, we're just going to do, again, let's just try and keep it short. We don't need to worry about, we can elaborate it in the next episode. Uh, but your third adventure that will now bring us up to the present day, just pick another person at the table and um, you know, try and work in one of the stunts that you might have written down or something. This was, this was an epic life-or-death struggle, and the two of you worked together to overcome uh, great odds. And this is how this team it ultimately came together to be what will later be known as the Blast Processors. Yes. So we'll start with Master System. Well, the, the tale that I feel I should tell is the, uh, the tale of Mega Drive's first foray into a combat experience as a member of Aegis. Um, I, at that point, still retained my title of SG-1000, and I was tasked with leading. Uh, we've grown our ranks a little bit since then, and I was tasked with leading a group into an assault uh, on the Varia. Uh, we felt like getting you know, a resource closer to Seoul would actually be beneficial to us. So I was a commander in charge of the new recruit, Mega Drive, um, who was supporting me with heavy weapons and, and basically ranged support uh, alongside my two melee close combat squadron members. And we came out victorious in that particular mission, and, uh, and as a result, we came out with a greater sense of tactical striking and advantage against Endo. Right, so Endo's ground troops. So what's the... Um, uh, know, know your enemy? Know your enemy. Know your enemy. All right. Uh, We'll just go around the table. Nick, your your uh, final uh, origin story here. Uh, this one was actually with Mega Drive as well. Um, uh, Mega Drive had become again familiar with my systems, and uh, one of the things that wow, wow, wow. yeah, hey, 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 wait, come on, this is a strictly I mean this human drip relationship. This is. Did you, complete, did, you, did you jack in? It's consensual <laughs> interfacing. He is not a relationship. He's just a... <laughs> oh. Oh, oh Jesus oh. Christ. <laughs> I feel like you two went through some hardship. Ah, oh, God. Continue. Okay, uh, so we actually went on a, uh, a recon mission that uh, involved... This is my, one of my later encounters with the uh, Wii Motes. Um, and at this point, I'd actually... Uh, picked up some uh, some cloaking devices, uh, so we were able to actually stealthily sneak in, do some recon, some aerial recon on a uh, an endo base, and return safely to the Ages layer. That was your visible spectrum tuner adapter, right, for the game gear? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Great channels on that. Hmm. So, what was the I'll aspect that the two of you on this mission, Ori? Uh, how did you help out uh, Game Gear with this uh, this uh, recon mission? Um, so I, uh, on this recon mission, my uh, duty was really about um, using my, my heavy weapons uh, specialty uh, in the in the case that we were to be spotted, uh, which eventually we were due to a okay. lack of nothing ever happened. The recon mission went off without a hitch. Your aspect is I never get to use the big guns. Yes. <laughs> so just write that one down. Okay. And and yours is uh, visual spectrum tuner adapter. Visual like spectrum it. tuner yeah. adapter, yeah. True, um, true visual spectrum adapter. It's the TV tuner. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. 
Orient. Uh, we're, we're, we're a few minutes over time, so we're just going to rush through this final adventure. Uh, who at the table are you picking? Uh, I'm picking uh, Saturn. Um, basically, this, this story just involves uh, us being in a foxhole together during a, a skirmish. Yeah. And um, I was able to uh, save Saturn's life by using my, uh, my keen sense of uh, combat. Uh, I was able to deliver the killing stroke uh, just before he was taken out. I was going to say, I don't recall that. Saved uh, his life. Yes. I don't I, I feel like that's... There's no one I'd rather have in a foxhole beside me. Uh, <laughs> Saturn, put down an aspect. You. I can't put my finger on it. That's going to be one of your aspects, is where you know that they are telling the truth, but you can't remember what's going on, and you just, I can't really put my finger on it. Put my finger Let's see what happens to that. And Ori, uh, yours is, um, uh, you, uh, I guess you never leave a man behind. Never. No yeah. man left behind. Never. No man left no behind. No child left behind. <laughs> yeah, drop that aspect down. Yeah, okay. Especially, um, uh, deranged hacker psychopaths. Uh, finally... <laughs> Saffron, uh, yes. uh, pick someone at the table. Uh, and well, this was uh, with Master System back before his consciousness was fused with Sagasa Shinshiro to make him into Master System. It's true. So uh, that was a long time ago when we were fighting on the moon planet of Endo. And uh, it was Master System's task to hold off the troops while I hacked the shields so that our Battlestar could do damage to the planet. <laughs> Uh, on the other hand, I don't really recall exactly what happened after that. I do know I hacked the system successfully, uh, but all I seem to recall is a blaze of glory where Master System once stood, and then everything goes white. I can't remember anything else. And what happened, Master System, in, in reality? Well, in reality, we were taking the moon planet of Endo, which was the moon base that Endo had basically established at that point. Uh, it was supposed to be a routine mission, but... Uh, Saturn was convinced that we had to gain the appeal of the local native population. Oh, yes, the Yub Yubs. Yes, the Yub Yubs. <laughs> uh, they didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> there was nothing there but they made me their queen. <laughs> yeah, Endo has never yet found a, a sentient, intelligent civilization. They, they, they made a gold stone. They have other life. We, but, we did succeed in taking the base. Uh, for a time. That was a contentious point with Endo, but at the time that, that battle was victorious. However, the Yup Yups, there was no sign of evidence of existence. Okay, so what's the aspect you picked up out of that mission? Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> you, I mean, there was the stuff about the Yup Yups. There is no Yup Yup, is my aspect, yeah, which will hopefully be proved wrong at yeah, some point yeah, in this yeah, campaign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, I'm going to tame There my, is no Yup Yups, and your, your there aspect is, yub yub. is there, there is, is a Yup Yup. <laughs> And, and with that, I think we have already created the first group drama. Uh, we, we, we wrap up this first exciting episode of The Blast Processor's Play Mind Jammer. And we'll be back next week to find out how this adventure begins as they begin their inevitable journey back in time to become the greatest synth rock Sega inspired band Toronto has ever seen. We're gonna die. <laughs> oh, horribly. Yeah, maybe, maybe the blast processes we know are, are reincarnations of synthetic recreations of the burned remains of what was originally this really not that organized resistance. Our sparks live on. Like, honestly, Endo has the upper hand here. Uh, going around the table, I've been the game master who's just been writing everything down into flowchart form, Justin, and around the table we have... Master SG-1000 System. Game Gear. 
Mega Drive. Saturn, devout disciple of the Yum Yums. And check them out online on Twitter <laughs> at Blast Processors. Check us out online as Dice Warriors. And we will see you again next week. Game over, yeah. You have just listened to These Warriors Are Terrible. Did our terrible warriors succeed in saving the day? Did someone do something completely insane and stun the GM into a stupefied silence for asking if their horse had a mustache? And lastly, did someone get punched squarely in the goodie bags? Also, are there any settings or RPG adventures you would like our terrible warriors to play next? Do you have your own awesome or insane stories of your own RPG conquest or failures? Comment on this episode post. Message us on Twitter at Dice Warriors or email us at feedback at thesewarriorsareterrible.com. Until next time, geeks and gamers, the dice has been put away, the books back on the shelf, and the Cheetos stuck to the floor. For these warriors are terrible.